This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 528. And the quote of the day is, whenever you want to judge someone negatively, pay them a sincere compliment instead. See what happens. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 528. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for checking it out. And speaking of checking out, I recommend that if you were going to PASIC this year, the Percussive Art Society International Convention, you should go to Scott Pellegrom's clinic. I just had him on the podcast a few episodes ago. He's a buddy of mine, and he go he talks about what goes into creating a PASIC clinic, which is a really fascinating look into that. But he also has an amazing story. He, he went through a really bad injury and how he recovered from that. We talk about that at the, uh, you know, in the podcast, but go check out his clinic. If you're going to PASIC, if you want to learn more about PASIC, just go to PASIC.org, P-A-S-I-C.org. It's a great event. If you want to connect with drummers and movers and shakers in the industry, I highly recommend it. I've been to tons of them and they, they've been very, very valuable to me over the years for sure. And that clinic by Scott is brought to you by Dream Symbols. Dream is obviously a partner of mine here on the podcast. They've been supporting this podcast for a long time. You can learn more about them by going to dreamsymbols.com. So let's get into this conversation with Frank Zumo. Frank Zumo is currently the drummer for Sum 41, and he is also the owner of a company called Street Drum Corps, where they basically find all of these pieces of junk and and turn them into percussion instruments that started as a little project for fun and has grown to a full business. And we talk a, a lot about how you find opportunities, how you make your own opportunities. We talk a lot about attitude. We talk a lot about juggling all of these multiple things. He's originally from Long Island. So we talk about his move out to LA and how it wasn't looking too good for him for a little while. And so we talk about how he dealt with that. Lots of great real world, valuable insight in this episode. And man, I think that that everyone can learn a lot from from Frank's story. It's definitely uplifting and and definitely motivational, but it's tactical as well, which I really like. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into it with Frank Zumo. Frank, what's going on, my man? How are you, buddy? I'm good. This is. I don't know if I've had anyone on the podcast that I orchestrated them to be on another podcast before my podcast (laughs) yeah i know that was amazing we did the uh, lp one um pretty recently and then um you know you and i discussed this one so it's good to be here in some capacity you know obviously i wish i would be able to come in and do this in person um i'm just not going to be in los angeles literally till christmas so um you know it's good to talk to you from the road and like there's always good stories and things that come out kind of from the road too. So right. it's kind of, you know, cool, uh, situation. The, the interesting thing, every, a lot of times for, for one reason or another, these 
these episodes start with us talking about the weather. I have no idea why it just happens. I don't know if it's like an icebreaker or what it is, but the thing that we, the second thing is I'll normally talk about like where they are in the world, right? Because a lot of times someone's on the road or something like that. And I want to start with that particularly because you're sort of like in, you're in, you're in Texas, but you're sort of in the middle of nowhere in Texas. And I think that a lot of people have the misconception of when they're on the road, they're going to be in this like glamorous place and they're going to be out like partying in these like really hip cities. And like you said, you're like, no, we're eight hours outside of Dallas. We were in Phoenix last night and I'm just, we're kind of at like this hotel on the side of the road with a McDonald's. We are, we're in Van Horn, which I've never even heard of, um, Texas. And we're en route to Dallas. I mean, that's a very far drive um, mm-hmm. from Phoenix to Dallas. The routing on this one was a bit long. So basically, we just kind of stopped here for the day so our driver can you know, rest. And then we'll hop back on the bus um, around midnight tonight. And I'll wake up at the gig in Dallas tomorrow. Um, and um, we are doing Dallas, then Houston. And then we go to Memphis, Tennessee. We're playing at Graceland. Nice. Which is pretty incredible. Um, I had gone there with some 41 for the first time just on a day off um, about a year ago. And we got to go to, you know, see the Graceland house. And they basically kind of turned it into like a resort now mm-hmm. where there's a state of the art brand new hotel that we stayed at. And then across the street from Graceland is like an entire complex where there's restaurants, memorabilia, you know, uh, exhibits to see of Elvis's, you know, costumes and even like his friends costumes. There's James Brown costumes like Steven Tyler, all this stuff. And then there's like a movie theater that plays Elvis movies, your gift shops. And they just open like a state of the art venue there, which is crazy. That's taken this long to do. And it's such a genius idea for all the bands that come through to start playing there. So we're actually playing Graceland at this brand new venue um, in a couple of days, which I'm really looking forward to. That is cool. Are you an Elvis fan? Totally. Yeah. Love Elvis. And it was great to just have a day off and really soak in, you know, the whole Graceland um, experience. Um, it was really uh, over the top and just, you know, just to see how he lived and, um, you know, you get to go in his planes. You know, that's how he toured. He had his mm-hmm. own plane, you know, with his own kind of bedroom and everything set up. on Right, right, cool right. Just to kind of That's typically that how I typically how I tour myself. Um, I mean, no, it's just... the best way. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime anyone calls me, I'm like, "What kind of uh, what what kind of plane are we flying on?" And they're like, uh, "You're flying, yeah. you're flying coach in the so, middle seat." <laughs> so you're a you're a DJ then, if you're just talking that, because that's how DJs roll. They just they don't need <laughs> right. tourists; they just fly everywhere. Right? It's smart. It's smart, especially if they can get. It's it's, it's fascinating how much money DJs make. Like if I mean, it's, at, at the high end of their at the high end of their game, like these got these cats can get like you know seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for to DJ for three hours. Yeah. And the production is just, I mean, the budgets for production alone are more than what a typical band spends on an entire tour. Yeah. You know what they spend in production on one night. I mean, it's, it's complete polar opposites. And, you know, I've been bouncing around between, you know, the EDM DJ world drumming, you know, with, with, you know, Kazo and Corella and doing solo gigs and whatnot. And then, you know, being in the rock and roll, some 41 world. And it's just, it's really fascinating just to see, you know, how all these different things work and just the shows and productions. It's, it's been really cool. Yeah. I, it's a buddy of mine is a, is a DJ for, um, for the bloodhound gang. 
And since, I mean, I guess they haven't really been touring for years now, but, uh, but he was like, man, you know, there's some of the, he's like, I might just go be a D he didn't, he wasn't saying it like, Oh, I'm going to leave the bloodhound gang or something, but he's like, I should yep. just go DJ. These guys, these cats are making like a million dollars a night. It's insanity. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I mean, the boom has been going for a long time. Yeah. It's not slowing down, you know, at all. Um, and what I will say is a lot of it's going back to live now. You know, a lot of DJs are incorporating, um, you know, musicians and it's going more into a live format, which is cool to see. Like, you know, there's like the chain smokers are playing arenas right now. They have a drummer and, mm -hmm. you know, one of the chain smokers dudes got a world of keyboards and, you know, they're singing, they're playing guitar, you know, it's gone live. I mean, even Elenium, that dude, you know, he's playing, you know, arenas right? and he's got a full band and, and percussionists and taiko drummers and all this stuff. So it's cool to see that's, you know, evolving into having live musicians. And that's mm -hmm. what Keizo did. You know, he wanted to have a band of drummers, you know, right. and, and he and I put together this insane experience of, of just adding drums. And, you know, I'm even having, you know, I, I, I had him drum in the show that, you know, the tour that we just did. Um, so, you know, it's cool to see that element and just me being a drummer, you know, when you're playing these massive shows, you know, it's all about the beat. Everyone, you know, in, in, in the EDM world, it's all about drums and the beat. So it's really cool to be controlling that and just to see that power and feel that power. It's just, it's something like no other. I mean, that energy and just everything, it's, it's pretty magical. Mm -hmm. I, I want to put a thumbtack in the, in the Keizo thing, because I want to ask you about that. But the other, to, to piggyback onto what you were saying about how there's more live instruments being played and all that that you know the everyone talks about how how bad the music industry right now the music industry from a from a financial standpoint is doing better than it's ever done more people are going to see live music uh more people are finding music that they would have never found before and so i don't i get a lot of flack for this but i don't necessarily see where where the downfall is in in music right now. I mean, every part, every, every area or every vertical of the music industry is doing really, really well. And I think people are like, yeah, well, you don't make any money off of streaming, but if you aren't making money off of streaming, you probably wouldn't have made that much money selling your record out of the back of your car anyway. Right. So like, I don't think it's that I agree with you, um, fully. Um, I think, you know, you have to embrace change. You know, we just, we're constantly evolving. We're constantly changing. I mean, it's always been that way. You know, mm -hmm. when I was a baby and started playing, you know, and then was like two, three years old and started playing drums, it was to records and then cassette tapes came out. And then I remember when CDs came out and then, you know, the whole digital, the MP3s and now streaming, you know, like to be a part of all this stuff, it's just, obviously it's been evolving my entire life. So, you know, it's there's new ways to make money now versus the old way, you know? And it's like, it's just, you, you have to embrace it. And yes, you can still do things on your own, um, you know, on your own path and course and, and, and whatnot and stay true to, you don't have to follow every trend, but you know, it, it is a great time. You know, the, the thing about, the thing about it is every, everyone's going to go see live music. You're never going to, that's never going to change. There's mm -hmm. something about just seeing a live show and that energy, you know, that's never going to change. However path you get to hear that music and listen to music, that's a whole nother thing. But like live music, that's one thing that's never changed, you know, from the beginning of time, mm -hmm. um, you know, and 
I think that, you know, bands are finding out the new ways to, okay, we're not, you know, back in the day there was, you know, you made a lot of money on record sales. Now, okay, it's about the live experience. So there's, you know, everyone wants access now. So it's all about the meet and greets and merchandise is still one of the biggest things of all time since the beginning as well. You know, it's like, there's just new ways to evolve and figure that out. And, you know, there's, there is a lot of bands that are doing it right. Um, you know, and I think all that is good and, and it's all a, a plus to it. Um, the only thing I am seeing though, is it's getting a little bit oversaturated, you know, with, there's a new festival, you know, festivals used to be a very novelty thing. There'd only be a couple, you know, Yalapalooza or whatever it would be. Now there's a new festival every damn day. There's festivals <laughs> right. every weekend, you know, it's kind of a, a little bit too much. And I feel like a lot are suffering because mm-hmm. there is too much. You know, and because of that, I'm noticing, you know, people, if they're going to actually leave their house and go to a concert and, you know, spend their hard earned money, they actually really want to get their money's worth. So they are going to go to a festival over going to see just one band play a venue for X amount of price, you know, or um, if they are going to go to a concert, they want to see a lineup that's really, really strong to get their money's worth. So I am seeing effects of that because of just every, it's a little bit oversaturated now, which is so many tours out, so many festivals, people have to pick and choose. Um, and I think that's more so in America than, mm-hmm. than in other, you know, other countries. Um, but a lot of people are fighting for the same real estate right now. And I mean, I, you know, there's been huge festivals with huge, huge acts on them being canceled because of low sales and things. Right, and that right. was, you know, you know, uh, uh, quite alarming, um, you know, but it's just, you know, and you never know until you go out and try things, you know, if, if this tour sounded great on paper with all these acts, but it's not translating to ticket sales or, you know, is the marketing not right? And, and whatever it may be, you know, there's just so many things that go into it now that you have to think about. Um, but, you know, just being out here firsthand, it's like the only thing I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, but like we just played on this tour um, louder than life festival in, uh, Louisville. And mm-hmm. then we played aftershock festival in Sacramento and those are Danny Wimmer events. You know, he's a presenter. Um, and his festivals now are like the biggest rock music festivals in, in America. They do like 30 to 40,000 people a day. And it's a three day festival. Nice. Um, it's, it's really insane. We did, we started this whole tour a couple weeks ago in Louisville, and we were on the main stage, you know, right before Manson and Rob Zombie. And it was just, it was insane. And then we just did last, uh, a week ago, we did the Aftershock Festival in Sacramento. And it's just, you know, it's starting to get like Europe over here with these festivals, the rock festivals. You know, Europe, the rock festivals are a huge, massive thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and here, there, you know, the rock you know, and heavy festivals are definitely climbing up, which is amazing to see now, you know, because there is like when you have so much of these mainstream festivals, you know, there wasn't much of the the rock and heavier stuff. So it's cool to see all that stuff having, you know, a huge, uh, you know, rise right now. The, so are you saying that like, that people aren't coming out unless there's more people on the bill? Like you're, you're saying it, you think it's harder for like a Sum 41 to just go sell tickets by themselves? I think, you know, everybody wants let's, let's take really- let's take some 41 out of it because I don't want it to make it sound like we're saying that some 41 is having a hard time selling tickets. Right. So let me yeah, no, like we even I mean, I'll, you know, 
Yeah, no, I'm totally cool to talk about. Like even for this tour, we said, okay, we're going to step up America now um, and go the next tier of bigger rooms. But we need to secure a very strong package because when you go up that next tier, ticket prices might go up, up a little bit because they're bigger rooms and, you know, what whatever it may be. And we worked really hard and got a very strong, you know, package. Um, you know, we brought the Amni Affliction, who are, you know, a big band from Australia. Um, and then we brought um, a band called The Plot and You um, from America out. And we had to, you know, really, really work hard to put a strong package together to – you know, go to the next level, um, in rooms, which has been great. You know, it's, it's something that we had to work hard at and we're seeing, you know, the, the positive effects of that. Um, but you know, like even let's go into the, the polar opposite pop world right now, you know, pop and like sort of, you know, EDM world, the chain smokers are out right now who could do arenas, you know, clearly on their own. Mm -hmm. They're out five seconds of summer. You know, that's two, two headlining arena bands together in arenas. It's a home run. Right. You know, it's like it's a strong package. Of course, people are going to, you know, 100 percent go see that because they're getting to see two massive bands in arenas. You know, everybody's doing that or people love the anniversary thing, you know, which we put this tour together on our own. And then we realized, you know, when all the kids were hitting us up on social media, hey, it's the 15th anniversary of your truck record. And we we're like, you know what? We love this record. It's one of our heaviest records and our new record is one of our heaviest records. It makes sense. Let's make it an anniversary tour too for Chuck. Let's play a bunch of Chuck stuff. Let's play a bunch of new stuff, you know, and let's make it even more special for these kids because they are spending their hard-earned money and, and whatnot. So we're trying to step it up with more production, giving the kids, you know, an anniversary plus new plus all the hits, you know, like we're, you know, putting a, together a strong lineup. It's something that, you know, we're really conscious about just because, you know, people really have so many choices what to do every day on a, on a on a basis. I mean, there's so many tours coming through, festivals. So I think you really do need to put something together, you know, special. Unless you are Elton John, then you don't need an opening act. Right. You know, you can go in there and play three hours and everyone knows every one of those songs. And even Elton is on a farewell tour right now. You know, mm-hmm. it's like so that's a, a, a special thing that it's, you know, making it even more of a, a thing. Kiss is out on a farewell tour right now. It's just right. – there's a lot of that because I think everybody understands, you know, people are going to be picky and cheesy, especially you don't have to leave your house now. You can watch and see everything <laughs> right. on your computer, your smartphone, your TV streaming. It's like, you know, you don't even have to go grocery shopping anymore and leave your house. Everything can come to you. So, you know, people are in that decision. If I'm going to leave my house and spend my money, it's got to be worth it. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things fish did the band fish did a long time ago they had they started streaming every single one of their shows and you pay for it and they call it couch tour and and you uh you sit on your couch and and watch their shows if you can't make it to whatever city they're in and i can't can't imagine uh i can't put a number on how many you know how many people are buying it but i know it's a lot (laughs) and uh, it's it's like another it's another revenue stream it's nuts it is absolutely nuts and it's all, you know, it's shot in high def. There's 10 cameras and, and all that. Um, the, the other interesting thing, too, if you think about the effects of, of social media and, and the, well, inter- the internet mostly and not being able to sell records, is all these bands that never toured before or didn't tour as much are now touring. So, like, you look at somebody like Steely Dan, right? Like, Steely Dan notoriously never toured. And... Mm-hmm. But now they have to because they all have bills to pay and they can't sit at home and spend three years on a record and 
and put it out and sell 10 million copies. They it's just not happening anymore. So that's the other side of it where you take how many thousands of bands who are touring as well. So you're competing with all these people that, you know, for ticket sales and, and to get into the right venues. And now instead of three bands coming into someone's town that they really like, now there's seven that are coming in this year and they have to make a choice between, you know, which, which five of the seven they're going to go to or which three of the seven they're going to go see. Absolutely. It's crazy. So talk. Yeah, I mean, Vegas is also, you know, when you said somebody like Steely Dan, Vegas has been great for acts like that. You know, mm-hmm. we were just in Vegas a couple of days ago and I'm seeing, you know, Aerosmith has a residency, John Fogarty, you know, even Lady Gaga, you know, like Vegas right. is doing some really right. cool stuff now, you know, and I feel like it's kind of like the old days where you had, you know, the Sinatras and, 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 you know, all those kind of rap hackers, you know, it's really strong now. I mean, it's, it's literally, you can go to Vegas now and, and, you know, see Aerosmith and then Gwen Stefani and then, you know, Brooks Dunn and Reba, you know, I think it's just Reba McIntyre all together. It's like some crazy thing. It's like there's just a lot of great stuff going on in Vegas as well where there's a lot of legacy acts, you know, and to, to even current massive pop acts doing residencies. Um, you know, I, I want to say it was like seven, six, seven years ago, Street Drum Corps, we had our residency at the Hard Rock. Mm-hmm. And it was just Cirque du Soleil shows, you know, and the Blue Mans and things like that. It wasn't you know, besides Celine Dion, it wasn't all of this, you know, Bruno Mars and, and, you know, the Aerosmiths and what there is now. So it's cool that, you know, there's an outlet, you know, like that, um, in Vegas for kind of these legacy acts, because, you know, I'm sure they're stoked after all the years of touring and, you know, traveling all over the world to just be like, I'm in one place. I can have my family here and go in this beautiful venue, state of the art, that I designed every aspect of this venue and go perform and have this experience with my fans. You know, it's, it's pretty awesome. Like I, I embrace the residencies and, and things like that. You know, I think that th- that's a great thing for them at that point in their career to not have to, you know, do the constant traveling and be away from family for so long. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the, the street drum corps that, that you started. How long have you been doing that now? Uh, 15 years. It's the first thing I did when I moved to LA, um, 15 years ago. And, you know, it, we never thought, um, that it would be anything. It was just something that was for fun. We literally got in a junkyard, um, and made a, a, a little video, um, of us in a junkyard going wild, you know, on all found objects. And we edited it down and we kind of passed it around to, you know, I came from a theme park world cause I did mm-hmm. percussion shows in theme parks. And, you know, my, my partner, Bobby, he had come from like the warp tour world and he kind of sent it out and we didn't expect to hear anything. And we wound up getting a residency at magic mountain theme park in California, and then getting asked to go on tour with the rock band, the used and go out on the warp tour and then getting a record deal. And like all of this snowball that, you know, I never thought something, you know, like that would take off in LA where it's such a, you know, you go there to make it as a, you know, in a band kind of world. And it was something that I really was passionate about, but that I was doing on the East coast, but I never thought it would really happen. And it just happened or, organically. And it turned into, you know, a company like a stomp or a blue man group where we, you know, to this day, we have multiple troops touring all over America and Canada, doing everything from state fair residencies to theme park, Halloween shows, Christmas shows, private events, um, you know, all that stuff. And, um, you know, that's kind of my, 
day job, if, if you would say, you know, just like running the whole operation. And um, it's something I enjoy. I love the music business side of, of our industry. Um, and my favorite part is just giving upcoming drummers a job and an opportunity to go play drums and make money. And, 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 you know, these are things that I didn't have when I was coming up. Um, and it's been the most amazing thing. I mean, we have anywhere between 30 to 50 drummers, you know, train working throughout the year. I mean, pretty much from like spring to, to, you know, Christmas is like our big peak season. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's been awesome. It's been really, really great. I mean, that's literally what I'm doing today on my day off is getting wrapping up all of our big Halloween shows and then now getting ready for all of our, um, you know, Christmas shows. Um, it's something I really enjoy and, and it's just amazing that's been going for this long and it just literally keeps getting bigger every year. Um, you know, I used to tour and perform in it, you know, when it, when it started and it just got to a point where I needed to, you know, handle it because we tried working with managers and it never worked out. Um, you know, because it's something that's so different and, you know, no one's going to run your company better than you. And I enjoy doing it. So I, I don't have any problem doing it. So I just, it was more important for me to kind of be behind the scenes and to perform. Um, you know, but this year, you know, me and, and my, you know, two partners that started it, we actually got invited to play the final warp tour ever in, you know, in uh, Northern California. And we hadn't played in a long time. We didn't have time to rehearse because I was on tour. We got up there and it was amazing. Nice. It was like we had you know, never, never missed a beat. Um, and it was cool to go slam some, you know, kegs and oil drums and all this industrial stuff, um, you know, that we haven't, um, done in a while. Um, but I'm super proud of it and I'm just super proud to be able to give, you know, all these amazing young upcoming drummers a place to perform and, and make a living doing it, you know, especially in, it's in a lot of these rural towns where they have, you know, these theme parks and fairs and stuff. So, you know, these are kids that don't come from big cities that don't have access to stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Um, cause that's our whole thing. We want to hire local talent um, because there is local. There's drummers in every city you go to, you know. Right. So um, instead of, you know, me flying out an L.A. team, you know, the L.A. guys always get all the opportunities because they live in L.A. It's like, no, I'm going to get a kid from, you know, Mason, Ohio to go do a show there. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. I, I think that's cool. You should be proud of that. How did you – there's a couple questions that I have about you moving out here, but how did you get into the theme park world? In the beginning, so a buddy of mine, uh, Mike Windish, who I actually had on the podcast, owns a company that staffs theme parks and and cruise ships and all that sort of stuff, and he's been doing it for for a really long time. And I know that that is that's that's another world, right, to be in. Is so you have like this touring this touring side, like like that you're in now with some forty one, but that world, I'm guessing, I don't know much about it, but I'm guessing that's sort of a different world that you have to you have to get in and you start to have to network inside of that. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, the theme park thing happened because, um, when, when I graduated from high school, instead of going to college, I went to the drummers collective, which is a private drum school in New York city. And I studied with Afro Cuban drummers, um, you know, Broadway show chart reading drummers. Like I wanted to well round myself so I could always work in the music industry. And I started going on auditions. I went on an audition for stomp, you know, things like percussion groups. And I was just trying to do everything I could possibly do to well round myself. You know, that was kind of my college. And I went on an audition for Hershey park theme park in Pennsylvania. And they actually had like a stomp type found object show. And I was like, this is perfect because I love 
you know, stomp and all this stuff. And I love theme parks. Um, so I did that for an entire summer and it just opened my world up to, you know, theme parks and all these percussion shows. And, you know, that's kind of was my intro. And I just kind of started doing research and finding all the entertainment bookers for all these theme parks and whatnot. And I just, I mean, it honestly comes down to just cold calls. You know, we call it just literally we were, you know, cold calling these, you know, can calling literally like human resources. Can we speak to your entertainment manager? Who is that person? We sent them a VHS tape, you know, of us in the junkyard playing percussion. I mean, that's what we would do. And even to this day, you know, we just are, you know, cold emailing people with our, you know, little electronic press kit. Um, and, you know, really that was just my whole start, you know, after doing it and being inspired by it. Um, and I knew there was a home for it. And with the street drum court thing, when I started it, I knew it was something that I had not seen in theme parks before because this was a little bit more um, organic and not so hokey pokey like most theme park shows. Um, you know, it was edgy, but still family and the gear and things we were playing on and what we were doing was definitely way different than, you know, most of the percussion groups and things I had seen in theme parks. Um, so I felt like we offered something, you know, different and I mean, it's been working. We've been working with the Six Flags family and the Cedar Parks, you know, family, those two different companies for, I mean, literally over 10 years now. Huh. It's crazy how you, you don't you don't really notice uh what road you're going down right like I, I bring this up a lot about steve jobs talking about how you can only connect the dots going backwards like you never think when you're i'm guessing when you're get it when you're starting down this road that that it's going to turn into the thing that it turned into right you're like never were you like 15 years from now i'm gonna have a company that staffs you know sta staffs found object uh percussionists all over the country in theme parks i know you kind of just you know you're right you don't think about it. you just keep your head down and you just you know plowing away um you know it's just it's things that i'm i'm i think it's just all comes down to what i'm deeply connected to you know i i grew up on you know going to see big arena shows and loving you know the touring and and all that and you know that's what i do with some 41 and Kazo. you know i love electronic music i love rock music i'm i'm doing both of that you know i love theme parks and percussion shows and you know and, and the music business so i'm you know just i think it's all the things that i'm attracted to and i just love to constantly challenge myself and not just do one thing and stay in one lane just to keep your brain you know constantly moving and, and, you know, being in all these different things. Um, and I just really know how to time manage it all, you know, well, um, you know, to do it all. And I just enjoy it all. So it's like, I love taking it on and just being challenged and kind of wearing many hats, um, to get it all done. And, you know, I think that's just kind of the things that you have to do, you know, in our music industry to constantly, you know, survive, you know, you know, unless, unless you've been, you know, lucky enough to, um, you know, be in the biggest band in the world, you know, and then it's kind of just like, you know, you could just do that. And, but I feel like even if, even if that happened to me, I'd still be doing all these other paths because I just enjoy doing so much and just constantly, um, trying to push myself and do as much as I can. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like I'd be the same, you know, regardless. Talk to me about some of the time management stuff, especially because a person in your position or, you know, anyone who may have a day job and they're trying to play and they're trying to write and they're trying to record and they want to do sessions, they want to do this, they want to do that. Uh, a lot of times I tell people that 
they need to pull some of the stuff off their plate and just really focus on, you know, a couple things instead of trying to do a hundred different things. But, but how do you manage your time and how do you sort of, how do you structure your day or how do you structure your tasks and your goals and all that sort of stuff to make sure that you're not one biting off more than you can chew. And then two effectively progressing in the things that you want to be progressing at and not being distracted by a bunch of other things. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. Um, you know, there definitely is enough time to take care of what you, you know, what your agenda is. Um, you know, it just, it needs, like you said, to be well planned out. And if you're sitting there thinking about it, that's just overthinking and you're just wasting valuable time because that's not moving you in any direction, you know, just being stagnant. Um, you know, it's just like, I think I have good time management because, you know, I come from New York originally where, you know, things are fast paced, things are really, you know, trucking along. And I, when I was very young, um, my grandfather had a theater company and, you know, I was the stage manager and basically was responsible for everything. I was the usher, ticket taker, box office manager. And then when the show started, I was doing the sound, the lighting, you know, I was responsible for all the costumes, all the props, you know, dealing with the cast, getting them off and on stage. And like, if one of those things I missed, it affected the whole show. So I literally had a, a, a clipboard with a notepad and I would check off every one of those things to make sure. And I mean, that was at a very early age. I was in elementary school mm -hmm. and I did that for years. And I think that really taught me the, the discipline of being on a schedule and getting all this stuff done. Like, I really think that that really shaped me. And my grandfather was my biggest, you know, uh, mentor. And he was very strict with me on that stuff. I mean, it was like, he wasn't my grandfather when we stepped in the theater, you know, this yeah. was a business. And I think that really, really is responsible for how I'm able to do everything right now. But, you know, my day is, is, you know, it's when I'm home, there's one schedule to get things done. And when I'm on the road, there's another schedule, you know, when I'm home, it's, it's even harder because I have a family and, and little babies. So, you know, that is the most important thing. And I have to make sure that I'm present with them in the moment and I'm there for them because that's, that's the most important thing in my world, you know? So it's like, you know, making sure that quality time is all handled. Then when they're off at school, um, you know, and my wife's off to work, it's like, okay, go time deal with, you know, the house things that I have to deal with for, you know, what we have to do at home. And then if I have to practice or go to rehearsal, or go to the studio, you map out that time, you know, to do my street drum corps work and conference calls, I map out that time, you know, and literally my day is mapped out until I go to bed. Um, and then when I'm on tour, it's like, okay, we have sound check, meet and greet, show at this time, press at this time, the rest of the day, I'm working on whatever street drum core or business stuff I have to do and making sure that there's FaceTime time with my kids mapped out. Um, and then if I'm working on music, making sure that time's mapped out. So, you know, my calendar is my best friend. It's just about putting everything in there and scheduling it out. And I always have time for everything. And, and if you say you don't, that's just an excuse, you know, even if you work nine to five, you know, there's time to map in, you know, on breaks before, after you to get to what you really want to do. 
you know, and hopefully you are doing in that nine to five what you passionately are doing. I mean, that's the only negative side to, you know, a lot of people are they are doing what they what they're not passionate about and, and doing something they don't, they don't want to be doing. I don't know what that's like because I've just been, you know, on this path to do what I've wanted to do since day one. And I had really supportive parents that said, listen, if you just stay on your path and, and you're doing what you want to do, we're going to support you and we're not going to sit you down and talk about a B plan or this or that. And I never wanted to do that. So we never had that conversation because I just stayed on that path, which I'm constantly on to this day right now. Um, because I, I don't have a B plan. I don't want to do anything else. Um, you know, so I think that's why the, the, the passion, the fire is, is, is still there. And, you know, with, like I said, the industry that we're in, it's just, there's so much going on, you know, and you just got to get it all done basically, you know? I agree with you and I and I echo the same sentiments about if you're if you're saying that you don't have an, have time then you're either making an excuse or you're wasting a lot of time somewhere else doing something else and the one thing I will say though is if someone does have a 9 to 5 job that they're doing that they don't like I I I feel for you on that because it's that's a draining thing and I know you know I I grew up in the restaurant business and you know worked worked with my family for years and I owned my own restaurant and to as I started to get to the end of that I realized that that was not what I really wanted to do and going in and I was working you know 12 13 14 15 hours a day but it was like it was draining draining work not because of the type of work but like I just knew I didn't want to be there every day and if you're doing something that you hate every day whether you're doing it for 8 or 16 hours a day it's definitely going to drain you but all that said there's plenty of time uh on nights weekends like you said uh to to figure out what you want to do and if not then you're making an excuse remind it reminds me uh, I said, like I said, I grew up in the restaurant business and there was a guy who owned a gym that would come into the bar all the time. And there was somebody else sitting across from the bar and they knew each other. And he said, oh, you know, do you guys have any have any specials going on over there at the gym? And he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, come in, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. You know, well, I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. And he said, yeah, I should. He goes, you know, I, I really do need to get back to the gym. He said, I just, you know, I just don't really have a lot of time. And the guy goes, what are you doing right now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And, and, and you, know, you know, it's a full bar, happy hour. Everybody starts laughing. And he's like, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> that's amazing. And, you know, I will say anybody that's listening to this that says like, oh, man, like, you know, I'm not happy in my current nine to five situation. It's not what I'm passionate about. Like, you know, you should soul search and find out what you are passionately about and go for that, you know, and, you know, don't just like, you know, obviously – Everybody needs to work to su to survive. That's just the way the world works, you know, to, to eat, to pay your bills, all that. So I'm not saying just like quit your job today and, you know, you should figure out, do some soul searching, find out what you exactly want to do that's going to make you happy and what you're passionate about. Do all the research, figure out what that is going to be. And then when you're, you know, when you're ready to make that move and you have a whole new plan in place, then you can leave, you know, what you're doing. But it's like, you should never, um, you know, go do something next without having that, that plan in place, mm -hmm. you know, um, just because, you know, we all need to survive and, and, and do what we have to do. You know, that's the whole thing. It's like so many people just say like, I, I don't know what I want to do, but it's not this and this and that. Well, it's like, okay, we'll just take some time, figure that out and, and, and get on that course 
so you can have an, a plan in place when you're ready to make that change. Well, I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that you can either choose to make money or you can choose to do the thing that you enjoy. You can't get both of those, which is completely ridiculous, obviously. Um, so, but I yep. would, but I would pose this question: if you, if you and I were having a conversation, I said, I said, look, you know, I want to leave. I hate my job, and I'm trying to leave. And you're like, oh, well, you should figure out a plan to get out. I'm like, yeah, listen, that's easy for you to say, but I got a mortgage, I got two kids, I'm the breadwinner of the family. And I want to go do this other thing where I'm going to be making half as much money. And uh, what's, what's your advice? And I'm I'm not challenging you on this because I agree with you, but I'd love to hear your advice on it. I mean, okay, so if you have that next thing and you are going to be making, it's like guaranteed, you, but you, you know, financially, and you're going to be so happy and so fulfilled and passionate about it, but you're going to make half the money you were making doing something you were not happy about to do that sacrifice. So you have that, that creative passion and you're inspired and, and you go to work, you know, stoked every day. You just need to downsize your life then to make that budget accommodate it. Mm -hmm. You know, if that means living somewhere else, cheaper, a smaller place, cutting out, you know, these financial things that are not necessary, you know, do you really need cable TV? Do you really need to go to Starbucks every day? You know, like cutting those, those sacrifices out to make your life work within this new budget. So you are extremely happy and inspired and whatever. And then, you know what? I'm sure if you're that stoked on what you're doing, it's just going to grow and grow, you know, financially, hopefully you would think, and then you can, you know, be back to that point. But, mm -hmm. you know, you always hear about like, you know, couples, Hey, we're getting married, um, or we're saving for a house. So we're going to go rough it out in a tiny studio apartment, you know, for the next year or two to save instead of wasting X amount on, you know, this two bedroom apartment, you know, kind of thing. I, I have so many friends that do that. And then they want to buy in a house. You take a couple steps back to move a bunch of steps forward, yep. you know, and it's, it's all, it's all doable. You just have to do it, mm -hmm. you know, really. And that's it. And just head down. And before you know it, things are good. And it's, it's, it's not about being lucky or any of that. That's all bullshit. You know, it's you, set your course and your path and you head down and you do it until it happens. And then you keep doing it. You know, it's not, it's not some mystery. It's not some, I, I was in the right place at the right time or I was lucky. Yeah. Those things do happen, but it's not that often that it happens. Right. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm a, an example of that. You know, I'm, I'm a kid from New York who came out here with the vision of not going back to New York. And right. I said, I got to do whatever I possibly can do to not go back to New York. Um, and I'm still waking up and doing that every day because I saw a million of my friends come back to, to New York with their tail between their legs. And they're, they're doing things back in New York that they don't want to be doing. They're not happy. And I was just like, I, I can't be one of these people. You know, I have to just go out here and make it happen um, because I don't want to live in New York anymore. You know, I want to live here. I want to be here. This is where everything that I love is and I got to make it happen. And now that that stress, you know, that pressure and, and stress, you know, it's a good stress is even more real because I have children and a house and a wife. And it's like I got to provide. Mm -hmm. So it's like everyday hustle, everyday make it happen because there's a lot of other people that count on me than just myself, you know, right.
Right. Yeah, I'm like, if it were if it were just me, I could like I could live in a shoebox. Uh, it doesn't matter to me, you know. Yeah, if you I got mean, you got people who time. who depend on you. It's a little bit different, but but for me, yeah, I'm I like, lived man. in a, a roach infested you know uh, apartment in Koreatown, which you know 15 years ago Koreatown wasn't like it is now. Right. You know, it wasn't this posh cool place. I mean, literally, I woke up one morning there was a roach running across my chest. Oh. You know, uh, yeah, the night I I pulled up with my moving truck to move here there was a crime scene. I was just like, <laughs> where the fuck did I just move? You know? Um, You're like, yeah, so, this is great. This is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. It's the Hollywood dream right here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, are you tired of coded drum heads chipping and flaking after only a few hours of play? Tired of premature denning and breakage? Well, welcome to the next generation of coded drum heads. Evan's new UV coating technology. They're made with proprietary inks and a new UV-like curing process, so these heads are able to withstand strikes, brush strokes, and rim shots better than anything on earth. That means you get to play heads that sound and look fresh for longer, and you can spend less time tuning and modifying and changing heads. They're available in one-ply and two-ply, as well as Evan's proprietary hydraulic and EMAD systems. Check them out by going to evansdrumheads.com. So if you're looking to get a new kit, you have two options. One, you can check out some pictures online. You can go to the store. You can see what they have there. You can drive to another store. You can find a couple more models and you can drive yourself insane driving all over the place trying to see what the kit that you want looks like. Or you can design yourself the perfect sonar kit using their SQ2 drum configurator. And this configurator allows you to build a kit from scratch, or you can use some of their predetermined configurations and then just modify them. But you can modify everything, the sizes, the configuration, the hardware, the color, all of that stuff. And you can make it to your exact specifications. Not only that, you can get an overhead view, you can get a 3D image of it. All of that is all built into the drum configurator. To build your dream sonar kit, go to sq 2 dash drumsystem.com or just google sonar sq2 you'll find it check it out the sonar drum configurator you know the other thing i think that it's worth mentioning or important to mention that if you are in a in a situation where you have a nine to five job and you've been doing that for a certain amount of time you have a skill set already, right? Whatever it is. And, and and coincidentally, like my wife used this to get out of a career path to get into wine. And like you can use whatever skill set you have as a bridge to get you to the next thing. So maybe, you know, maybe you do whatever marketing for a toilet bowl company and you're like, I hate this. And but maybe you could do help do marketing for like three or four drum brands right and what does that do it gets you into the industry it gets you going to nam it gets you meeting people it gets you you know a reason to contact people and reach out and all these things and then slowly but surely then you start to work your way into the industry and you can if you're not going to be playing full time you can at least be working in the in the music industry which is probably a lot better than selling toilet bowls you know um and I actually I know someone who did that. A buddy, my buddy Andrew, he he worked for a college, and he would he would like fundraise for them. Uh, and he was part he was trying to get into the business, and slowly but surely, like worked his way into working at at a at a drum company. And now he has a full time job at a drum company, and 
it's like it took you know three and a half years or something like that to to work his way in but then but then you're in once you're in you're in it's like backstage once you're there you're there totally and everything everything takes time you know to to develop and constantly grow and evolve and that's just the nature of of anything um but you're right i mean that's a great success story right there for sure you know and it's like he grinded it out and stayed on his path and now he's doing ultimately what he wants to be doing Mm -hmm. i think people think that the music industry is different than every other industry and it's not it's a business and you need to learn understand the rules of the business earn what or you know figure out what makes that business successful and what parts that business needs and then you can figure out where you fit into that fit into that uh that ecosystem so when you moved out here i'm curious though what did you what was the plan when you moved out? Did you not have a plan? Did, were you like, I'm just going to get up every day and grind? Or did you have an idea of what you wanted to do? I moved out here. Um, I got a gig um, with the singer songwriter um, girl. And basically she had like a whole um, record that was finished and um, with a big, you know, team behind her. And basically it was like, we need to put a band together and now go showcase the record's done and ready to go. We just need to, you know, find a label partner and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. my manager, my my in, in New York, I was playing in a cover band, which is what I did not want to do anymore. And my original band that I worked really hard on um, fell apart. So, you know, he basically, my manager's like, listen, I'm managing the singer-songwriter in LA. You should go audition. She wasn't signed or didn't have a budget. I flew myself out there for literally a day and auditioned, got the gig. And then I went back for uh, a showcase with them. And then at that point he said, listen, you really need to move out here. You know, every, every, this band, you know, is, is gonna, is from here. You know, everything you want is here. Like, what do you have to lose? And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to be here. And I want to know on my deathbed that I went out there and I, and I tried to make it happen. I didn't, you know, not do it. Mm-hmm. So I literally packed up my, my little car and got a tiny little trailer and just literally brought drums and clothes out here. And the band just never happened. You know, all the showcases, nothing went to plan. And the, the reassuring thing was after every showcase, all the industry people were coming up to me telling me, you know, you're a great drummer and you're such a showman and all this stuff. So I had never done stuff like that before. And to, to have that kind of like support, I was like, okay, I'm standing out here with what I'm doing. This is, I do need to be here. Um, and I will be okay. You know, there wasn't discouraged. There wasn't discouragement. You were thinking, Oh, I'm going to go home. Well, there was discouragement because the showcases went terrible for her right? <laughs> and she didn't get a deal. She didn't get a deal. Nothing happened. It just, it completely failed. But for me, I was like this, well, this wasn't my band anyway, you know, um, rad that I'm getting, you know, all this props and stuff like I need to be out here. So the problem was, is that all the money I saved, um, was gone because on my drive out here, I drove from New York to, to LA um, coincidentally in Texas where I am now in Odessa, Texas, I went to gas up and I got in my car and the head gasket blew out because they had their pumps backwards and I put diesel fuel in my car and it blew my head gasket. Ugh. So I had, yeah, I had to tow my car to, um, 
to LA and then spend all the money I had saved uh, to fix my car because as you know, you're fucked in LA without a car and there was no Uber back then. So, um, wait, 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 wait. you had your car towed from tech or just like transported from Texas. I rented, um, a U-Haul and put a tow thing on the back and towed my car behind a U-Haul. Um, and then, yeah, then had to get a fix, which was really expensive to replace a head gasket. So I basically had to really hustle because the band I was in wasn't making a dime. You know, we had not, we, there was no money. So what did um, you do for money? I literally went on a million auditions, job interviews. I hit up, I went on it. I went actually, this is a funny story. I went on, um, an interview at guitar center in Hollywood mm-hmm. to work in the drum department and I was I'm always on time. I've never been late for anything in my life until I had kids. And then now I'm late because of kids, but that's their babies. That's, you know, understandable. But anyway, I'm there like probably, you know, five, ten, five to 10 minutes early and the front door is locked. That's the only way to get into guitar center. I'm knocking, you know, I had no one to call or nothing. Right. Finally, somebody there lets me in and the drum department guy yells at me for being late. And it wasn't even my fault, and I didn't obviously – I'm trying to get a job. I'm not going to get confrontational with this guy, so I just apologized, you know, whatever. I didn't get the job at Guitar Center. You're like, you, know, you do I realize tried, the front door was locked. <laughs> yeah. I tried to get a job at Pro Drum. Like, I mean, everything possible, and that's when Street Drum Corps happened. We got that residency at Six Flags Magic Mountain every weekend for a whole summer and fall season. That was my job. I made enough playing drums on the weekends – um, and then we started touring and it's, it's, it's been nonstop, but like literally, you know, I had friends sending me, you know, um, food sometimes like they just felt bad. They sent me food. I, I had a dollar store down the street from my house mm. and I literally lived off of ramen noodles, like, you know, for three meals a day. Um, and, um, you know, I just grinded it out and street drum corps happened. And then, but it's funny because we had like a month off from the summer season I saw they were going to be building all the haunted houses and I'm like, I know how to build and do stuff. I'm like, are you guys hiring? I'd rather stay here and work for this one month while we're on a low. And they said, yeah. So I worked and built the haunted houses, um, at the theme theme park for the month and literally was there from, you know, seven to seven every day with a hammer and nails and painting and just literally building a haunted house. Um, you know, just did whatever I had to do just to stay out there and, and survive. And it worked out. That's awesome. I, the, the, the thing that I'm hearing in this whole entire, uh, this whole entire thesis, the, the whole thesis that I'm hearing from everything that we've been talking about is one, if you want it bad enough, you can go out there and, and you can get it. Um, and then two is that most people talk about the fact that they want it but most people aren't willing to actually go out there and get it. Like the Austin Cleon saying, everyone wants to be the noun, but no one wants to do the verb. And mm-hmm. I commend you for, for both because not a lot of people will do that. I think that a lot of times people think that things fall into your lap or they have rich parents or there's some sort of extenuating circumstances. They got a record deal. They got lucky or whatever. And you're like, no, dude, I lived in a roach infested apartment with, with ramen noodle, you know, eating ramen every night and, or every day for three meals a day. And that's what I had to do to make it. And I'm sure most people were like, Oh, well, never mind. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Never mind. Well, All right. Well then get, 
Yeah, then get the exactly. F out of the way. I mean, it's it's, and you know what? I, I wouldn't have it any other way because it just it it builds your character, and you know, it makes you appreciate when things do happen. It even more, you know, mm-hmm. like I am so grateful to be able to get on stage and play drums. Um, and that's my job. It's like, that's not a job. It's what I love. I get to go play drums in front of a lot of people. And this supports my family. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like it's, it's insane that that is a reality. And, you know, I just, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's my heart and my soul, my everything. And I'm just so grateful that, you know, I get to do it, you know, especially at this level, you know, to Mm -hmm. just like, literally be able to, you know, travel the world, you know, and, and be in, you know, some 41, which is one of my favorite bands of all time, you know, to, to, to be in, you know, that, and, you know, that is another example of like, you know, when I'm on tour, you know, meeting people, being social, making those relationships, you know, I met the some 41 guys when I was on tour with, you know, with Street Drum Corps and, mm-hmm. you know, through common friends, just kept seeing Derek in LA and then, you know, he was our special guest for street drum corps in our Vegas residency. And, you know, and then like we were friends and, and, you know, when Steve quit the band, I was like, as as hard as this is gotta be for these guys this is their high school, you know, best buddy who just left the band. I'm like, I got to say something, you know? And I literally just reached out to Derek and I said, you know, sorry to hear Steve left, but I just want to tell you before everyone else in the world tells you, I would love an opportunity to just play with you guys. And that's how it happened. You know, you just gotta go for it, Mm -hmm. go for it. Um, go, but you know, again, you do it in a very, um, you know, you gotta do everything in a, in a, in a cool, you know, way, because you know, there's also just, you know, people go about things the wrong way and then you just have a bad look, you know, you're known as, as the, the annoying person or just the whatever in the industry. And you gotta just go about things kind of, you know, in, in a good, you know, manner. Um, but you know, things are so accessible now. I mean, it's insane that you can literally reach out to, you know, anybody you want in some capacity with social media and these things now. And it's, it's just, it's crazy, you know, how accessible of a world we live in, you know, now. I, I agree, man. And there, there is that, there is that fine line. Like, how do you walk that fine line of being persistent, not annoying, you know, cool, but not you know, but not too, uh, not too accommodating and, and sort of eager. Right. There's, there's all, there's like this gray area. Uh, and I think sometimes people get it wrong. For sure. What do you have? Do you have advice on that for, for, uh, I mean, to me, I'm like, I don't know, just be yourself and people will, people will respect you for being yourself. Exactly. hundred percent. That's, that's, I mean, you said it. I mean, that really is what it is. And like, you know, I, I say to all aspiring musicians out there, you have this incredible platform of, of social media, YouTube, all this stuff to showcase your art. Um, you know, everyone wants to get things out every five minutes. That's cool if you want to do that, but just make sure that it represents you in the best way because you never know who's going to be looking. That's the new way to audition is let me see your video clips. You know, the getting in the room audition cattle call days are pretty, pretty dinosaur age now. Um, And literally there are people just by their YouTube videos or Instagram videos that are getting gigs and like the biggest bands now. So just make sure that whatever you put up represents you because you really, once you put it up there, 
you have no idea who could be looking at it. So, you know, use that to your advantage, make your stuff the, the most absolute, most pro, um, and just be proactive, man. Just get out there and make those connections. Um, and you know, use social media for the right things. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't sit there and you know, they can, they can see your video and then see, you know, the next post be, between it, you're just ranting about this, that your thoughts on this or that, or you just, you know, like use it for, if you're an artist, use it for your art. Right. Yep. There's, so there, there is that mistake. Say, go ahead. Sorry. I cut you off. No, I'm just saying, just keep that stuff to yourself. If you're trying to be a professional musician, because no one, no one wants to see that. It's just, it's portraying you as that, that person that rants. I mean, dude, we, we literally are doing, Street Drum Corps was doing a, a big, uh, a big fair, um, somewhere. And I got a call from the entertainment manager saying, listen, uh, one of our workers, you know, loved your guy's show, was looking up the cast members on social media and saw one of your cast members was making like threats against the president on his social media. And we can't have that. You know, it, it, we're, we're a family place here and we can't have that stuff. And I literally had to call him, tell him to take that stuff down if he wanted to continue working for Street Drum Corps. And now when we hire, you know, these musicians, we have to have them sign all the rules about the obvious, you know, no drinking, no drugs, but there's a social media thing now that literally says that you cannot be ranting and threatening and saying this stuff because it represents our company. Right. You know, it's crazy that I got a call about that. I was just like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. And it can go either way too, right? Like the kid, like the Kiki, do you love me video? Like the guy, you know, that came out and, and a month later, like he was in the Drake video, you know? Uh, but like, but on the other side, it can go, it can get really bad really fast where, cause the first, we all do it. Like other people are not different than you. So the moment that anyone emails you, texts you or, or messages you on Instagram or something like that, what's the first thing you do? You look them up, you Google them, you look at their social profiles, you see what they're talking about. There's, you see, like you're more interested in learning about them as a person than, than them as like a player or a musician. And that could ruin your chances really quickly. Oh, a hundred percent. If you just see like, you know, they could be the most talented person, but you're sitting there seeing like, uh, all these posts about just all this negative stuff. And you're just like, Nope, yep. I'm not living with this person yep. on the road. You know, this is, you know, so it's like, just think, think, you know, it's just keep that, keep all that stuff to yourself. And, you know, again, if you're just like, you know, not in the industry and you're, you know, you, you do what you do. That's, you know, that's fine. I still think that that's not a place for that. Just always just keep your thoughts and your things to yourself because it's just, you know, whatever you and I go to a movie, Nick, you and I are both going to leave there with a different opinion. Who's right. Who's wrong. It doesn't fucking matter. Right. You know, your thoughts, your whatever is, is your thing. And, mm-hmm. and who's to say you're right or wrong. If that's the way you feel cool, but to just literally go on, you know, Facebook and rant, rant. It's, it's just like, fucking, let's just move on past all that stuff, please. Right. I mean, I, I agree that you should have some freedom of speech and you can, you can express your views and opinions. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that you're, that you're, uh, that you're saying that people shouldn't be doing that, but I understand what you're saying. You don't want to be, you don't want to be this person that's, that like there was, I forget who it was. I mean, I wouldn't name their name anyway, but there was someone that I used to follow and it was like daily rant 
and they would literally complain about something. Every, it was like, this is my thing that I'm complaining about today. And I was like, nope, well, I'm not going to follow you anymore. Like, who wants, no. who wants to see that shit? Keep that negativity and to like, yourself. I love it when it's like, you know, the Grammys or the, you know, the big musical award shows and, you know, even the halftime show. Everybody's got to just throw stabs and this and that. It's like, you know what? You should only be so lucky in your career that you can play the Super Bowl and work that hard and get that gig or play the Grammys. It's like, who, who are people to criticize and just sit there and, you know, throw stabs and whatever. It's like that person has obviously worked very hard to get there. This is something that is an elite club. It's like, just let them have their moment. You right. know, it's like, why didn't you sit there and, and, you know, and, and, you know, troll them and, and bully them. And that's the thing about social media. It's become, you know, uh, just a bully's paradise, you know, cause everybody's a tough guy behind the keyboard. You know, it's like, will you really say that to that person's, you, you're telling me you're going to tell Lady Gaga to her face that her Grammy performance sucked. Hell no. Right. You're going to be kissing her ass, asking for her autograph. You know, right. it's those same people like it's just and that's what I just try to tell all these young kid, you know, musicians because they'll post their videos that they're stoked on and then they'll get bullied, you know, on on social media and it discourages them and then they don't want to do music or do that anymore. And I just tell them, don't read the comments, don't believe the comments, just believe in what you do. And it doesn't matter what anybody says about it, you know, positive or negative. As long as you're stoked on it, that's all that matters. Right. And I always say that you're never going to get you're never going to get trash talked by someone above you it's only going to be someone below you always 100 yeah always. i mean like that's when i'm out doing all the you know the loyal to the craft shows you know they're like you know this whole new workshop drum clinic that you know that i'm part of with sjc drums and band shoes you know we go and it's all we're playing for kids you know and um all the young school rock musicians and you know i just i tell them that exact sentence because you know I mean, I get it, you know, all the biggest drummers in the world, we all get it, you know, Zildjian will put up a video of, you know, any, any one of us, you know, their artists, you know, doing their thing. And it's like, you got to read uh, literally, uh, you know, 90, you know, kids throwing stabs at them. It's like, really, you know, you should only be that lucky to have your video put up on Zildjian's social media, you know? Right. It's easy to criticize, man. It's not. Uh, it's not easy to to be out there every day. It's like the the man in the arena. I don't know if you're familiar with that that uh that poem by Roosevelt, but he's basically saying, "Look, I'm in the arena every day, getting my ass kicked. If you're not, then you have no you have no right to uh to say anything. Don't don't be the don't be the person in the stands. Be the one on the field. Hundred percent. That's yeah. brilliant. So where can people, cause I know you have a bunch of stuff going on. You have street drum corps, you're, you're out doing electronic, you're doing, you're out with some 41, you, uh, you're doing the, the loyalty to the craft with SJC and vans. Where, where's the best people, best place for people to keep an eye with what you got going on? Where can they see you? All that fun stuff. Yeah. I mean, anything some 41 related, you know, some 41 websites and socials, um, you know, and then. I basically everything that I'm involved in doing with is just all through my, you know, socials as well. Um, just under my full name. And, um, you know, I've, I've just been working on a bunch of, you know, I've been collaborating with a bunch of artists now just cause I've been inspired to do something different and get out of my comfort zone. So I've been working on a, on, on a solo record. Um, I released like a single so far that came out of um, when I did Coachella with Kezo cause he produced and wrote the track with me. Nice. Um, so I literally just, you know, I've been in the studio working with, artists, songwriters, producers, DJs. I mean, it's been really, really incredible to, you know, be working on a collection of music, um, 
that, you know, I'm going to put out in 2020 and, um, just kind of be on a new path, you know, put myself kind of out there and, and, you know, songwriting and, and writing melodies and doing things that are just outside of my comfort zone. Um, you know, I've been doing some scoring work as well. Um, I just scored, um, one of my dear friends, you know, whole podcast made all the intro music, outro music. Um, you know, so I've just been, you know, just trying to push myself and evolve, you know, as a, as a, as a musician artist as well. That's awesome. You seem the the thing that I love about you. I don't want to say that you seem to be this way because I believe that you are this way. That you're you're open to so many different things. That if you're like, yeah, that's cool. Let's try that. And if and there's no fear of failure. There's no there's no uh, worry that maybe it won't you know it won't work or or anything. You're like, yeah, let's just give it a shot. And if it if it works, great. If not, then okay, that's cool too. We'll learn something and we'll we'll keep moving. Yeah, I mean that's that's just life, you know. Um, you know, I, I always want to go for whatever I, you know, opportunities or things that I dream up. Um, and, you know, it's just constantly pushing yourself and just trying to, you know, because, you know, most people, you know, could could easily be like, cool, I'm in this band. We're putting out records. We're touring. People are coming. It's all good. Like, I'm good. You know, that's not enough for me. You know, I, I want I want to, you know push myself in this direction, that direction, constantly evolve. And, um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people, you know, have that same kind of outlook. It's like, there is no kind of like end goal, you know, I'm always, I think going to be this way, you know, I always want to do this, you know, I went and, you know, I saw Fleetwood Mac and saw Mick Fleetwood up there, you know, and, and he's up there with the biggest smile playing drums, you know, he's up there in age. And I'm just like, this is inspiring, man. Like, I'm never going to retire. I, 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 this is amazing. I want to be this old playing drums and being this happy still. And it was a super inspiring thing for me to see. Um, and I think I'm just going to be this way forever. Like, why not? I mean, this is what we're here to do, right? <laughs> it is. Don't change, my man. Definitely don't change. But, um, but I want to I want to thank you for for coming on, taking the time to chat, and and also serving as as an inspiration for other people who are thinking about making the move, not necessarily to L.A., but make maybe making the move into into a new career, maybe making the move physically to a new city, maybe trying to transition into playing more or playing full time or or whatever it is. You are a a shining example of it's possible if you put your head down, if you work hard, if you stay humble, if you stay open to opportunities. And uh, and do that for an extended period of time. Then on the other end of that, you can get success. So I applaud you on that, man. And uh, again, I, I appreciate you being here and appreciate you taking the time to chat. Of course, man. Anytime. Good deal. Frank, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Hi, buddy. Thank you. There you have it. That's Frank Zumo. You can find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 528. And if you haven't already, be sure to sign up for the mailing list. There's a lot of stuff uh, every Friday, I should say. We send out a That's a Wrap email and keeps you up to date with all the stuff that was released from Drummer's Resource during the week. And you can do that just by going to drummersresource.com. And you also get a free ebook called Stick Control Variations. You get that when you sign up. It's 11 creative exercises to help you with your speed, your independence, your chops, all that fun stuff. It's all free. Drummersresource.com. You can sign up for that. Until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.